speak loudly to us, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, Gospel Community Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben Hurt, and that is not my normal gig. So you know. So if you hated it, no worries. You won't hear much of it. Uh, but just due to circumstances, uh, I'm doing both today. So hopefully that doesn't last long because I'm already tired. And so if I fall asleep up here, somebody come slap me. I gave you permission. Anybody but Nikki, my wife, who can do that. So uh, anyway, uh, we are starting the book of Colossians. So open up to Colossians now. And just want kind of want to give you an update. We now have a worship pastor who is in Indiana. That's right. So uh, Aaron, Show and I, uh, we flew down to Colorado and helped drive their truck back together. And we hate each other now, but we got the truck back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, got, I thank you for those who helped unload his truck into a um, storage unit yesterday. Very appreciative. They were very grateful for it. Uh, they will probably, they'll be with us next week. He may lead, he may not. We're trying to make it free for him just to come as a family. Because if you're in ministry, like you never get the chance to just kind of chill. Like you rarely get the chance just to come and be a part of a service without having to have any responsibility. So he will be here. We'll announce him. But for sure, in two weeks, he will be leading worship moving forward. So super pumped about that. Uh, for those of you who gave towards moving expenses and office supplies, like a computer and such, thank you so much. We asked for $5,000, and you guys gave over 5600 So thank you for helping out. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You guys are a blessing to me in the way that you're giving faithfully, not just in special offerings, but also in the regular offerings. So thank you for your, uh, your participation in that. Uh, we're able to get another computer. Mine crashed. We had a computer, and then mine crashed, like, right after the warranty is up. So that's going to provide for a new one. So praise the Lord for that. So in the book of Colossians, and today I want to, first, and all, first of all, settle a debate that has been going on for years uh, this is a very important one that has eternal ramifications, and we need to come to the understanding of this reality. Coke is better than Pepsi. Can I get an amen? I believe Coke deserves to be exalted above all pops. That is why the South calls all pop Coke. It's, it's true. You just have to embrace it. It's exalted overall. So because for me... Coke is exalted overall. What does that look like? Well, number one, I, I actually have a shirt at home that has Coca-Cola on it. I wear it literally on myself. Uh, I don't drink Pepsi. So if I go to a restaurant that just serves Pepsi, I go with Cherry Pepsi. I go with Dr. Pepper because uh, I'm not going to cheat on the one who is exalted overall. <laughs> Coke is supreme. Now, obviously, that's a funny thing. But really, the one thing that matters most for us individually and for us as a church is that Christ is exalted over all. Just like when you take something like Coke and exalt it over all the other pops out there, it makes a difference in your life. And when Christ is exalted over everything in our lives, it makes all the difference in the world for us. And so we've, we're calling this series as we walk through Colossians, Christ exalted over all. Now today, uh, we're just going to more or less take kind of a, a history, look at a history of the book before we really dive in and just kind of see what, what did Paul write the book of Colossians for. So let's just look at those first two verses here uh, in Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you 
and peace from God our Father. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this book of Colossians that shows us that Christ is exalted over all. And Lord, if we're all honest with one another, we realize there are things that take your place. And when they do, it causes us to slip away. It causes us to experience anger and fear and despair. But Lord, when we lay that firm foundation of Christ, it sets us up for life. So Lord, I pray as we walk through this book for these next several months, Lord, that you would indeed wreck us where we need to be wrecked. And may Christ be exalted over everything in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, first of all, we see the book of Colossians is written by Paul. And notice he says, an apostle of Christ Jesus. There's some significance there. Uh, now, if you look at some of the other letters that Paul wrote, you won't see that. You'll just see Paul, and I'm writing to you, church. And that has to do with the fact that some churches Paul has a great relationship with. Uh, Colossae would be one of those churches that he necess doesn't necessarily have a great relationship with personally. Uh, he's writing this letter from prison, but what he wants the Colossians to know is, hey, look, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. There is authority in the message that I'm bringing to you. This isn't just anyone writing you a letter. I'm coming with the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we would be wise to listen as well. We see he's with Timothy. Timothy is a dear brother to Paul who is often with him, caring for him as Paul is in prison. A dear friend. And it's written to this church in Colossae. So the, the church used to, this used to be kind of a major place to go, this place in Colossae. It used to be a major way for, for waterways, and they had kind of redirected the path, and so the city really kind of diminished. But there's this church here. Uh, we believe that it was planted somewhere around A.D. 52 to 55. Uh, the, the name Epaphras we see in this, we believe that uh, what probably happened is he went to Ephesus and heard the gospel from Paul, was converted, and he brought the good news back and was proclaiming Jesus to the Colossians, and so this church was formed. We read about him in chapter 4. Look at verse chapter 4 real quick, verses 12 and 13, as we see Epaphras and, and his significance in this church. Chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And so likely what's happened is uh, Epaphras came and is delivering what is going on in this church, some concerns that he has. And so therefore Paul, in response to what Epaphras was sharing, uh, writes this letter. So why exactly did he write this letter? Well, there's some false teaching that's been going around. There's something other than Christ that is being proclaimed and it's messing up the church. And there's a danger if they continue down the path of pursuing these false teachings that they are encountering them. And what Paul wants them to understand is that Christ is exalted over all. That's why we are calling the theme, Christ exalted over all. And so... What exactly does it mean when I say Christ exalted 
over all. And really, the main section of this book, if you were to take one paragraph from this whole book, the main thing that we cannot miss is Colossians 1, verse 15 through 20. Take a look there. This is it right here. If, you, if the only thing you read for the rest of your life was this, you would be filled for eternity. It says this, he, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And we could preach that forever and never exhaust the greatness of Jesus. Amen? Christ exalted over all. We read in verse 18, that might be a highlight where it says that in everything he might be preeminent. What does that word preeminent mean? It means first place. It means supreme. That Jesus is over all things. There's nothing that comes before him. He deserves first in everything. And really there's no second place, is there? It's Christ and then everything else we have like a numerical system. That's kind of how I look at it. Christ is over all. My wife is my favorite person of all. But she just doesn't compare to Jesus. So in the terms of ranking, there's really no comparison to Jesus Christ. He is supreme. He is overall. We are called to live our lives in such a way that nothing in our lives compares to him. And when we live that way, it makes all the difference in the world with whatever comes our way. And so really there are three main points I want to communicate today. Three main things that we see in the book of Colossians that Christ is over. Uh, number one, he's over creation. Over creation. Number two, he's over false teaching. And then number three, Christ is exalted over Christian living. So let's jump into that first one. He is over creation. Look again at chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So we might look there and think, wait, I thought... How could Jesus be a, cre a creation? It looks like he's a creation because he's the firstborn. And we may be tempted to think that, that Jesus was a created being. But really, we'll talk more about this when we get into it. But it's referring to the fact that Jesus rules over creation. He is the one that calls the shots when it comes to creation. Verse 16 continues. It says this. For by Christ, all things were created in heaven and earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now this is a massive statement. There are some who hold that Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't God. 
But what Paul is clearly saying here is that Jesus is God. Let me remind you what Genesis 1-1 says. You, know what it, you remember what it says? In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Who is the creator in these verses? By Christ, all things were created. Jesus is God, and he is over all creation. He is sovereign over everything that happens. As believers in Christ, that should give us great hope. There are no accidents. There are no surprises. There are no, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming from Jesus. He's got everything completely in his hands. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, we, uh, we read that a man's heart plans his way, but God establishes his steps. And so we look at all that's going on in the world. We, know, we don't need to ask, where's Jesus? He's there. Instead, maybe we could ask the question, what does Jesus want me to learn through this? But Jesus is supreme over everything, over all creation, over all powers, over all authorities, it says. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, he's over it all. He created it all. So the kings of Israel, who declared the kings to be? Jesus. The president of the United States, who allows the president to become who the president is? Jesus. He's sovereign over all. And we know as believers that he's working everything for our good. We have no reason to fear. He is over creation. And this is foundational, isn't it? This is foundational for us as believers in Jesus Christ. If he is not the cornerstone of everything we build on, if he is not the one that we place all of our hope in, if he is not the one that we believe reigns over all things, then we will have a shaky foundation. Uh, two weeks ago, my wife and I, we flew to Arizona in pretty big plane. Uh, I don't know, there's 40 some roads in there with three on each side. So pretty, pretty big plane. Uh, you know the process, it's so tedious, it takes forever, and you're just longing to, let, man, let's just get there. You know, we're looking forward to going on a little bit from a, a senior pastor and wives retreat. And we finally get all loaded in, everybody's in, and then the, the, the pilot comes over to the speaker and says, hey, uh, we just found a flat tire. And so everybody's got to get out. And so one by, row by row, and you got COVID, so everything's really slow. And so we have to go all the way out of the plane. We're waiting 30 minutes for them to get the, the tire fixed. And then 30, 45 minute, more minutes to get in the plane to take off. However, what could have happened if that tire didn't get fixed? <laughs> that plane needed to have a firm foundation in order to take off. Otherwise, it would have crashed before we even took off. And that is true for us. If Jesus is not our foundation, if we don't understand he's over all creation, everything that comes our way in this world, if we don't believe that, we're going to be like an airplane that's taken off with flat tires. We're not even going to make it off the runway. Jesus is over all creation. So how is your foundation this morning? What are you resting in? Are you, are you tempted to rest in how the election turns out? Are you tempted to rest in how full your bank account is? Are you tempted to rest in having good health amongst family members? Or is your foundation firmly in the fact that Jesus is all I need? 
It's everything to me. Christ is exalted over all creation. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 8. What we see here, not only is he over creation, but he is over false teaching. Colossians 2.8 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So it's, it's really not clear exactly the false teaching that the Colossians are receiving from people. There are different thoughts. Some people think it's some form of Gnosticism, which is like deep thought. Others uh, think it's some form of Judaism. We aren't really sure. But what we do know is that there were attempts to draw the church away from its foundations in Jesus Christ. And there's these philosophies that are going on. Now, philosophy in and of itself is not a negative thing, is it? It's really just the study of the world. It's the study of the universe. It's the study uh, about society and about life. And in and of itself, it's not bad. But there are certain kinds of philosophy that can lead to empty thinking. You ever talk to a philosopher who's not a believer? And you're, I mean, first of all, philosophers, like, I'm lost, like, after hello. <laughs> I need an interpreter, somebody to break it down for me. Uh, but, you know, there are many who, who think so much that they lose track of the truth of God's word. And they, they try to outsmart as if they could outsmart God or outthink the Bible. And we can get tricked up. And it can be empty. And really these things it says they're deceiving. They're deception. They're meant to lead them away from Christ. Its foundation was built on something other than Christ. The verse says as well, it's according to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So these were, these were traditions that man made up. These were things that man declared should be made law. And when we make something that's maybe not a bad thing, a God thing, we're in trouble, aren't we? We can get ourselves in tr trouble. And like it or not, Christmas is coming, isn't it? It's only a month and a half away, and I just have a confession to make with you this morning. How many of you have set up Christmas stuff already? Anybody? Right, we got two. Got two. I love Christmas, though. I do love, I do love the holidays. I love the Christmas trees and all the ornaments. But we have a tradition that I am just not willing to give up as a family. So we're one of those families. We're blessed because we have both sides of the families close. But if you know anything about holidays, it can also be a curse because everybody wants you, right? Like everybody wants you around. And so on Christmas Day, we load it up, man. We have, we have three Christmases on Sunday. So Sunday morning, we have our family. Uh, for breakfast, I go to my side of the family. And then for lunch and dinner, we go to Nikki's side of the family. And we've talked about giving up like our family, like our, our you know, just us and our kids. And I just can't give up that tradition. Like of opening presents on Christmas morning. There's nothing like the excitement of kids, the lack of sleep, the countless hours you spend trying to put stuff together as a dad. It's just a tradition that I refuse to give up. Like, I'm not giving that up. I will sacrifice my Christmas day and be jumping everywhere so that we can have that moment on Christmas morning. And so what happens when you make that tradition, like, it's not moving? Well, it can lead to conflict. <laughs> We've had some moments where Nikki usually thinks more clear-minded than me. So 
she's way more clear-minded than me in this, but I just refuse to, like, give it up at this point. And, and that can create tension if I am forcing her to do something that really is not good for our family. And the same can be true when it comes to human traditions that we have when it comes to church. And we can get ourselves mixed up when we think we take things that are preferential and we make them law or we make them this human tradition that we are not going to get away with. And so it might be hard for us to think of, well, I'm not like a, you know, some atheist or Buddhist or somebody that has these different crazy philosophies. However, we can do some things in the church that can be very controversial, that can really stir up things. Like all you got to do is, is, is have a conversation of what should we sing on a Sunday morning? <laughs> Can't worship like stir up issues in a church? Some, some of you maybe you have this thing like I think we should only sing hymns. You know, those, are, those have lasted for a long period of time and we should only sing hymns. And there are others who are like, you know, we should only sing newer music. We have to be relevant to our culture and hymns just aren't relevant. And then there are a lot of you like me who I, I like a blend. Like I like the old, but the Bible also says sing a new song to the Lord, right? But these are all preferential, isn't it? It's preferential what you prefer, whether it be hymn or whether it be a, a common day contemporary song. What matters is does the truth of what we sing match scripture? Isn't that what matters the most? But churches have split over this decision. And let me just say outright thank you. Thank you for not making it an issue with our church. I've had a lot of great conversations that have helped me really kind of firm where I stand in worship. And I'm just so grateful for a church that hasn't made that a divisive issue. But it can be. It can be if we're not careful. Preference doesn't matter as much as the quality of what we are singing. Another thing that you may not call it a human tradition, but it's something that can cause division in a church. School of choice. Where are you going to go? There are some who are like, you should only homeschool. Now, we, we homeschool, uh, but we also send a kid to Christian school. There's some of you said, no, Christian school. And then there are others who say, we're supposed to be in the world. How can we be in the world if we're not going to public school? And so we can create these chaotic conversations with one another because we have elevated something that is preference to law, as if the gospel and homeschooling are on the same line, and we should, we should break fellowship over what you decide to do school on. But I, I could tell you today that, you know what, there are plenty of homeschoolers I know who are messed up, just like there are Christian school students, just like there have been public school students that are messed up. And the flip-flop is the same, too. There are plenty of homeschool kids, Christian school kids, public school kids who are serving their faces off for the Lord. Don't let your preference lead you to make something law that's not supposed to be law. Some other things that can lead us from the foundation of Christ. And so I'm putting all these in false teachings. You may not look at them as false teachings, but they are false beliefs that trip us up. Another thing, here's the hot topic right now, is politics. I, I have, I don't know about you, my heart is so heavy at the Christians who are fighting with one another. Now listen, I have some strong beliefs on where I stand and what I want to see happen. But I also have some strong believers in Christ who voted differently than me. 
and who would stand on a different ground than me? Is that worth us breaking up fellowship over because we have a difference in politics? Is Jesus Christ not the song of our souls? Is the gospel not what we are to cling to? Be careful that we don't allow these kind of things that are earthly get in the way and break our foundation of Jesus Christ. We are united together here today, not because we're Americans, not because of where we stand politically, not because of where we go to school, not because of our preferential desires. We are here together because Jesus Christ has rescued us from our greatest problem. Keep Jesus at the center. There's some other things that are going on here in false teachers. Look at chapter 2, verse 16. And we'll dive into this later on as we get to it. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So what, what they were doing is they were putting these rules and regulations on them. You have to eat a certain way. You have to drink a certain way. All these things about getting involved in asceticism and worship of angels, visions puffed up with reason by sensuous minds. I'm not going to go in detail here, but the danger is that we can take the gospel plus something else equals salvation. The gospel plus giving, getting everything right in my life equals salvation. And Paul is reminding them here, listen, don't forget that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's what you were taught at the beginning. Don't allow these things to creep in for you to think that somehow you have to follow these certain regulations. These certain festivals you have to take part in. If you want to be a believer in Christ, you have to do these things. And what Paul is reminding them is, it's Christ alone. Christ exalted over all. Don't add anything else to your salvation. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Don't get mixed up. And sometimes, people I see just kind of long for some supernatural experience. You ever hear that? Like they just... Lord, give me a vision, give me a dream, like I just want to dream about you tonight, like give me an audible voice to listen to. And we can get tripped up with those things as if we need something outside of what he's given us. He's given us his word, he's given us his spirit. And the reality is, for me too often, I don't want to take the time to dive into God's word, but it is so rich. It's what gives us life. Don't cast your hope on getting some kind of vision or a dream when God has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, through the knowledge of His Word. We must have the firm foundation. If we don't have that firm foundation of understanding that Christ is exalted over all, then we will be susceptible to false teaching. I mean, think about, think about all the false money that gets passed. I don't, I don't know the statistics of it, but, you know, I've done some research of, like, how do you tell, like, real from the fake? 
And the best thing for you to do to determine whether or not a, a bill is real or fake is by studying the real thing. Taking all your time to pour in and understanding the intricacies and, and the ink and some of the reflectors that are on there. There's a metal tab that is in, inside the dollar bill. And you study all these things and you learn what the real thing looks like so that when the fake thing comes, you're like, this is, this is not real. And the same is true for us. How do, we, how do we guard against false teachings or false beliefs? Is we get to know and study who Jesus is. We get to know Jesus. We get to know all about his characteristics. We dive into his word. And the more we know of Jesus through this book, the less likely it is for false teachings to come and trip us up. Or false beliefs. I've seen people so often who I thought were doing well and they get caught up with this false teaching that's out there because they just don't know who Jesus is. And so notice that Paul started with Jesus first before he gets into false teaching. If we want to be able to tell what's not right, what's false, get to know the real thing. Get to know Jesus. So Christ is exalted over all creation. Jesus is supreme. He is king of all. He is sovereign over everything. Christ is also exalted over false teaching. There is a lot of deception in the world. We will be tempted throughout our lives. By things that sound good, but only bring death. Christ is the truth. And the last one is this. Christ is exalted over Christian living. And so in the book, he's, he's saying, get Christ right. Remember who Christ is. Watch out for those who are going to teach you a different Christ. But also this. Jesus Christ when he is exalted in your life, will make a difference in how you live. As believers in Jesus, my life looks different because of Christ's work in my life. And he is exalted over how we are to live. Let's look at our standing first before him. Look at chapter 1, verse 21. This is our standing before Christ. Before we met Christ, this is what we were. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So notice there, he's reminding them, look, you were, you were separated from me. But I've reconciled you. Christ reconciled us in order to present us blameless. And as we ground ourselves in that, that, that will keep us from shifting from the hope of the gospel. That's our danger is shifting away from that hope of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And because of his work in our lives, he calls us to live a certain way, doesn't he? We know that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone. But we are called to look, live differently than the world. We are called to make 
have a difference in our life. Chapter 2, verse 6 says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Get your foundation right. Be careful of false teaching. Now, I want you to walk in me. I'm giving you steps that you need to take in your life. If, if I am truly your Lord, then this is the way that you will live. You must walk in him. We have a part to play in pursuing Christ. He rescues us by his grace. His spirit comes in and motivates us and, and pushes us to pursue him. And so he gives us a way of living. Look at chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you, die, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, man, if, if Christ has raised us, if he's rescued us, change your affections. Set your affections on me. The affections placed on the world will lead to despair. They will lead to fear. They will lead to trouble for you. They will lead to disappointment. Set your affections. Seek the things that are above. Seek Christ. Change your thinking to the things that are above, not things that are on the earth. For how could you do that, verse 3? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Don't seek the things of the world anymore. You're hidden in Christ. And the more we grow, the more we realize how foolish it is to seek the things, right? Like we just, we see as we grow, the things of this world just do not satisfy. Chapter 3 continues in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So he's given us some things. Look, these are things of the world. Exalt Christ in your life. And if you exalt Christ in your life, you're going to put to death these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He gives us ways of living and we're going to take a lot more time to kind of dive through these. But when we exalt Christ over all, it leads us away from false teachings and then it gives us a new path that we're going to pursue because of Jesus. And so when you think about your life and the way that you are living, who's controlling your life? Are you taking the wheel or are you surrendering it over to Jesus and realizing, you know what, he's called me to live differently and why would I want to live like the world? Why do you think we struggle with so much fear 
in despair. Often it's because we are setting our hope on something other than Christ. We have built and laid a different foundation that's shaky. But God calls us to exalt him over all things. And as we do that, he draws us to himself. And so as we dive into this series, my main prayer is that we would see Jesus for who he really is. That we would give him the place that he deserves the most. So that when false teachings come, we're able to defend and fight off those thoughts because we know Jesus so well. But not only that, that our lives would have a flavor and aroma that reflects Jesus. He has given us direction in how to live. He began a good work. He will complete it, but we have a part to play. We are called to live differently. And because of Jesus, you will live differently. And so my prayer for us is that we would be a church, that you would be a people that exalts Christ over all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for leading us to the book of Colossians. And I pray for our time as we move forward. That Christ would be exalted over all things. May we never become a church that goes after other things. And Lord, I'm, I'm mindful. I've I've seen my own heart slip here and there of wanting things other than Christ exalted over all. So I pray, I pray that you protect our people. I pray that you protect our church, that the things that we're listening to and reading and investing in outside of here would not be things that are contrary to the good news of Jesus Christ. Rather that we would have such a strong foundation, we just have no place for false teachings. Lord, the world is throwing things at us left and right. I don't know what awaits us in the coming weeks, months, and years, but I do know that you said that in this world we will have trouble, but to take heart, you've overcome the world. God, keep us strong even when it becomes more and more unpopular to be a Christian. Even if it may lead to someday being persecuted because of our faith, may we stand strong in you. God, and I pray, I pray that Jesus wouldn't just be something we'd proclaim with our lips, but we'd go out the door and live a different lifestyle. God, I pray that our proclamation of our lips on Sunday morning is the proclamation of our lives Monday through Saturday. Exalted over all things. In our lives, in our church. In our minds, in our hearts. Give us you. Give us Jesus. And it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. Well, looking forward to jumping through this book with you in the coming months. This will take us along through uh, March, I believe. And we'll do it. We'll have a series, a, a three-week series in Christmas that we just kind of focus on the, the